Well, here we go with episode number seven of Danny's Musical Chats. Well, another day, and it's uh, just reflecting on my musical history again one more time, because uh, this Friday I'm getting together with several of my original bandmates uh, from Winnipeg, back from uh, one of which I actually started with in 1966, Dana Honey, who was uh, Rick Honey's uh younger brother, Rick Honey, was the, is the departed, um, rel- quite famous actually, DJ here in Vancouver, who way back in the day, uh, before our band even started in Winnipeg, was a drummer. And I think about, you know, our beginnings, you know, we were in the basement and trying to get our thing together. And Dana's older brother was actually a drummer in a band called the Ramrods. And they're somewhat unknown, but Two of the guys in the Ramrods went on to fame and fortune of sorts. Um, Bill Wallace, uh, the bass player, went on to play in the Guess Who after replacing the original bass player, Jimmy Cale. And um, the other member was Kurt Winter, who was the guy, one of the two guys who replaced Randy Bachman in uh, the Guess Who. And uh, 1970, he came in. And uh, Bill came in. Uh, couple of years later as I recall I can't remember what year I think 72 anyway these guys were like in their basement era and they were playing in the same places that our band originally or finally actually uh, after we did our rehearsals uh, in Winnipeg there was quite a circuit of what they call community clubs uh, they were all over the city and there was bands everywhere and everybody wanted to be you know a successful band like our local successful band or what we perceive to be the uh, successful band is a band called Chad Allen the Expressions went on to be named the Guess Who and they had one hit single way back in 1965 called Shaken All Over and Chad Allen was lead singer and uh, this is before Burton Cummings this is the original band and uh, you know, had Randy it had uh, Randy Bachman had uh, Jimmy Cale on bass, uh, Gary Peterson on drums, Bob Ashley on keyboards, and Chad Allen on rhythm guitar and lead singer. And anyway, they were our local heroes. They were the guys that they influenced and were role models for people like Neil Young, who was a local uh, aspiring rock and roller, a little bit older than us. We were, when we hit the bricks starting to play, we were all like, 14 and 15 years old so we were quite young but we were very driven like all of the other bands you know that were forming to play in those places where the big boys played we thought they were the big boys they were like 18 and 19 and 20 years old and we were 14 and 15 years old so we were uh, in a culture of rock and roll Winnipeg had quite a culture of rock and roll and that was the where Myself and many, many others uh, germinated. In fact, Burton Cummings is just slightly older than, uh, I think he's 31 years old now, or maybe 32. I just turned 69. I think he's 32. So he was uh, really a big star in a band called the Deverons before he was in the Guess Who. And uh, in a local level, these guys were really popular. They were basically second to um, the Guess Who. Or, yeah, they were called the Guess Who by that point. And, when Chad Allen uh, made the decision to leave the Guess Who, um, and Bob Ashley um, had all also exited the keyboard player for his own reasons, um, 
the guess who was in a bit of a, a bind. They needed a guy who could play keyboards and sing, great lead, you know, and, who, and could play rhythm guitar because Chad had done that. So they, they recruited, they took Burton out of the Deverons, which was a big thing in Winnipeg at the time uh, because they were so popular. And, uh, and he went into the band because he could play keyboards and sing lead. And uh, he was basically taught how to play rhythm guitar. He was an incredibly talented guy, Burton, and he still is. Um, by Randy taught him how to play rhythm guitar, so he was the guy. Well, anyway, these are the guys that we're watching. They're, you know, in the case of Burton, just several years older, like, I guess, about three or four years, three years, four years older than us. Uh, but still, in those days, when you're that young, when you're a teenager, that's pretty darn significant. And, of course, uh, Randy was considerably older, and he was he was the godfather, you know, of uh, Winnipeg rock and roll guitar. I mean, he was the guy that we all watched, and there was a whole crew of other guys you'd never heard of. But one of them was this guy who played lead with uh, Rick Honey, was uh, a guy named Kurt Winter, who I mentioned earlier, who was really another local hero that, you know, went on to be famous as when, when Randy left the band. He wrote songs like Hand Me Down World and Bus Rider. And quite an amazing guy and ended up co-writing as Randy had with Burton. Uh, with, I mean, with, uh, yeah, with Burton. Yeah, when they were together. And uh, anyway, these are the big guys. And here we are the little guys. And I'm just talking about how I evolved. Um, I evolved and learned an awful lot of my basic rock and roll in that band. We were called the Collectors. And we weren't the collectors from Vancouver. Everybody thinks, oh, you were in the collectors, you know. No, that was Bill Henderson and those guys out here. We didn't even know about them. <laughs> we were oblivious. We had our band. We were the collectors. And we did all the tunes. You know, we were, we were watching all of the, the bands. We did the Kinks. We did the Stones. You know, we did the uh, Trogs. We, you, know, you know, we did all the bands, you know. <laughs> all of the stuff that everybody did. And some of it, you know, we did not so bad, I guess. But it was the learning thing for me. That's where I was in the beginning. That's where I learned how to play the basic things and bar chords and how to sing a little bit of harmony and watching the big guys and watching their hands and listening to them as a band and learning what a band was. And also the thing about it is there's a... The thing that develops out of those things is, is I would mentioned in a previous one, is a sort of a brotherhood or a family thing that happens with a band. And as I said in my previous one, you know, there's there's ups and downs and there's all sorts of stuff that happens. And it's like a, it's a learning, like a petri dish of rock and roll socializing. And you, you eventually become a part of a scene. Bands became part of an overall scene and then, you know, then as an individual, as you come and go, you know, I became known as local guitar player, just like so many of the other great players, like Bob White, who I played with, uh, who passed away recently, uh, who I played with for many, many years out here, and as well as in Winnipeg. Back in the day, when we didn't know each other, like in 1966, 67, um, 68, you know, we would end up, you know, we knew about each other, and we knew, I knew about the other guys, and we all kind of We'd hang out in the music stores, and you know we'd be doing our gigs. We have our promo shots, and we'd be trying to get gigs. And it set the stage for 
you know, a lifetime of rock and roll for me, rock and roll and many other genres because, you know, I'm kind of a versatile guy. And the versati versatility uh, was a thing that was very big. Randy Backman is actually, you know, was a real big role model for us back in the day because he would go from doing things like No Time and American Woman to doing things like Laughing, way different stylistic guitar playing, to Flying on the Ground is Wrong, which you probably never heard, but they did a great version of that Neil Young song. But later he did things like Undone, and, you know, much later he did things like uh, Looking Out for Number One and Blue Collar and stuff like that. You know, he was very versatile. And we, some guys, you know, they stayed real hardcore rock and roll. And they, they didn't learn some of that stuff because they were more committed to, you know, a particular type of style or styles. You know, they were more into Hendrix and Clapton and stuff like that. But the thing is with Randy, he was into it all. And, you know, personally, I aspired to that. You know, there was even a jazz influence, which I mentioned in those tunes like Undone which came out of, you know, a local guy, you know, this brilliant genius named Lenny Bro. You know, nobody could play like Lenny, obviously, but there was an influence that happened that crept into our playing. And Randy actually took some, he hung out with him, I don't know if he took lessons per se, but he did hang out with him. And many years later, 10 years later, in the early 70s, I took lessons from Lenny. And, you know, I was a pretty serious young guy. You know, I wanted to be... Um, you know, more than a rock and roll player. And a lot of us, you know, like a local guy here now who is a brilliant jazz player and rock player and country player and everything, his name is Laurie Coyle. Uh, and if you don't know who Laurie Coyle is, you know, and if you like guitar in Vancouver, you want to know who Laurie Coyle is. He played last night, actually, with a guy named Doc Fingers on a on my friend uh, Michael Shaw's live stream live stream <laughs> live stream <laughs> that's that's ridiculous uh he's got a thing called mikey's place and doc and laurie played last night and it's all archived so you want to go on facebook and check that out they're getting bumped off facebook like everybody else uh, as of october the first but uh, i don't know how those archives are going to work that's going to be interesting but they're going to go on another format but I guess Laurie is another good example. He is younger than me, just like I was younger than Kurt and, and Randy. But we hung out together, and uh, he learned from me, I learned from him. And that's the organic thing, you know, that uh, in our era, before there was a YouTube, and before there was, you know, a lot of the educational stuff, it was very much like folk music. You learn from the other guys. You learn from listening to records. Yeah, you learn from uh, watching other guys play, you know. And that was that was the learning thing. There was no such thing as a um, YouTube channel, like I say, or anything like that, where you could go and study that way, or there was no books to speak of. There's only a couple of books. A lot of it was very experiential. So, you know, that's, you know, not that it was better, but it was the way that it was. I mean, we, I frankly would have been great if there was YouTube back in the day. But Coyle and I are a good example, and, uh, you know, I mean, Kurt, and those guys too. I mean, uh, Kurt and Randy. You know, uh, I mean, Randy was a real pioneer, as as the guys before us were, because their whole thing was listening to records, and they didn't have a lot of local role models, you know, uh, who were playing rock and roll. But there there were other guys, and people. There was a community, 
But in my second, sort of the second wave of rock and roll guitar players in Winnipeg, uh, we had those guys to watch. I mean, there's guys like Ralph Watts and people like that you never heard of, but just great guitar players. You know, Donnie Thompson, people like that. Anybody who's a Winnipegger who's listening to this who's old, <laughs> was into that music back in the day, will we'll remember that there was a real scene. And, uh, you know, uh, I came out of it and, um, you know, I became whatever I am as a, as a musician as a result of coming up in that scene just like any musician does coming out of their scene. Like the Vancouver scene is its own culture. Winnipeg had its own culture. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, an interesting sort of uh, evolutionary process that happens with musicians. And it's been accelerated for the younger people now with, uh, with the new learning tools and stuff. But, you know, every era has its time, and I'm just really thankful I was able to come up in the Winnipeg scene, as Bob White did, as numerous Winnipeg expats who live in Vancouver who are here, you know, um, most of which you wouldn't know who they are, but guys like Coyle, you know, really good players, you know, who come out of that 60s and 70s time. Uh, Bob White was just a brilliant singer and guitar player. You know, my, my ex-partner with me, you know, various groups uh, over the years, uh, I really looked up to that guy, man. He he was an incredible rocker, but he was also versatile. You know, I was a different type of guy in that respect. I didn't really, I wouldn't say I was the greatest rocker in the world, but I had some rock in me, and there's no doubt. Listen to Clapton, listen to everybody. However, you know, we all influence each other, and we should all be grateful and I'm just going to mention right here that, you know, people that have spent their lives, you know, whether or not it's a long period or even a short period, somebody who's, say, 25, who's really committed, these are tough times for everybody, tougher for some than others. So please go to the live streams, you know, whatever they might be, and, and, and uh, kick in some dough if you can. Enjoy what these people have done and what they've, they've got to offer. Um, there's so many of them, and there's so many great singers and keyboard players and horn players and, you know, everything, you know. So, hey, support your local musicians. Um, you know, it's really important at this point. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, once again, any comments you want to leave, you know, uh, go to my Facebook, uh, Danny Casavant. No, Daniel Joseph Casavant, C-A-S-A-V-A-N-T. Leave your comments, and I'll see you the next time around. Thank you so much for listening to Danny's Musical Chats. Bye-bye. Well, here we go with episode number 17 of Musical Chats with Danny. I would be Danny. That is who I am. And, yeah, here we are. It's, uh, as I'm speaking right now, it's uh, Sunday night before the uh, the Tuesday presidential election in the United States of America. If they want to call them United, that's a bit of a joke. All you have to do is look at their uh, the reality of their uh, projections about who's going to vote for who. doesn't look too united to me. Anyway, I guess that's just the way it goes. That's the way it goes. I guess it's just what we got to accept that it's going to be what it's going to be, as that guy said. It is what it is, something like that. Well, we'll find out what it's going to be 
very soon, and I have a feeling it's going to be quite a shit show. I think I'm not alone in that estimation. It's uh, very frightening, actually. There's an awful lot of uh, less than good feeling going on between people down there. I have a feeling this is going to be a bit of a flashpoint. You know, if Trump does lose, which is the projection, uh, it's pretty predictable what's going to happen. He's Well, number one, he's not going to accept it. You know, he's going to challenge it. And that's just going to raise the, the level of, you know, craziness to another level altogether you know the uh, you know the whole thing about you know voter fraud and fixing and you name it all the bullshit that he's putting out and and his buddies right and you know you've got the democrats on the other side and i don't know i don't think there's much <laughs> much hope for that country actually and that's a frightening thought because they are the most powerful country in the world What's really scary is that Donald Trump is the president at this point and the most powerful man, really, in the world, politically. So, okay, he's not going to give up easy, obviously. We all know that. That's just not Donald's style. He's like a petulant little brat. Take his ball away from him, he'll freak out, probably shit himself in the process, which is not the first time, I'm sure, definitely sure it's not the first time he shit himself one in a, in a figurative state and perhaps even in a literal state anyway you can tell i really am a huge fan of that piece of crap but anyway how are you all feeling about this election out there you know do you think it really is going to solve anything um i think of anything it's just it's just a it's just, it has to happen because they have elections every four years. So um, the outcome of this one is going to be different from the outcome of any other election. We thought we'd seen it all when Trump got elected the last time. It just seemed like so weird. It's just like, you know, how on earth did that ever happen? And, you know, right off the bat, we knew it was weird. I mean, we'd been watching the what, you know, preceded it with the, with the debates and the God, what can you say about that? You know, everybody figured, well, not everybody, but I think, well, the polls said that he wasn't going to get in. And uh, I think the Ukrainians as well, a bit of a joke there, especially given the current politics around the Ukraine. But they said, no, 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 he's he's not going to make it. It's going to be Clinton, Hillary going to get in. And it didn't work out that way. So that was like a disaster. And it's been a disaster for almost exactly four years just getting weirder and weirder and the totally unexpected uh, pandemic you know i mean on top of everything else i mean the the environmental issues etc i mean it goes on and on and on and on and on we all know it does uh but what happens now i think it's about to get worse i think it's about to get a whole lot worse and uh, i mean it, I don't know how anybody can have any faith in the system down there. I mean, it is just a complete train wreck. Has been for a long time. And you you add, you know, this goof, you know, Trump to the battle, and you know, to the, the whole thing, to the recipe. And then, you know, you, you just look at, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Biden. He's certainly a whole lot better than Trump. But, I mean, he's he's not going to change anything. You know, he's, you know, 
I like Camilla. I think she's pretty cool. Uh, you know, you know, maybe balance him off a bit. You know, I mean, who knows? But you know, honestly, I don't think he's going to get in. Uh, I mean, well, he might, but it might. Well, it's hard to know if he does get in and Trump finally does go to jail. You know, he actually has to face up to the music. Then that'll be interesting. But you know, it'll be really interesting is all of Trump's followers are not going to go easy on this thing, even if he doesn't get in, like finally doesn't get in. I think even more so if he doesn't get in, I think it'll just be the aforementioned shit show. And I'm going to cut this one a little bit short today because I'm getting very upset about this shit. And there's not much to say about it except, you know, it's coming. It's going to have profound, profound implications regardless of how it shakes out. And we're in the middle of a pandemic, folks. We all know that. Um, it's a nightmare scenario, you know. It's interesting it's happening so close to Halloween. On that note, I'm going to say goodbye. This was no music involved with this one, just me ranting away. But what can I say? I don't know if I feel bad about it or not. I just, I'm just putting it out there, folks. I don't know what you think, but I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure what I think half the time on this whole thing. Um, does not bode well. Till next time, signing off. Well, episode number 17, Danny's Musical Chats. I'm not going to be talking about much music at all tonight. Tuesday evening, the American election is in process, and it, it's really, really, I mean, it wasn't like I was very optimistic. I can't say I'm not the most optimistic guy when it comes to American politics and American society in general. Uh, it's just a very, very shocking thing to see it graphically shown just how completely divided that country is it, uh, and how many people really, really think it's a good idea to vote for Donald Trump as the President of the United States after all the crap that he's put out in the last four years and the bullshit he slings. It makes me ill. I've been on Facebook a little bit with some friends and uh, other people, just people generally, sharing you know our, you know our uh, take on this whole thing. And you know, by and large, you know the people I know or you know of a similar mind generally. Um, some a little bit too optimistic as far as I can see. You know, <laughs> I mean, we really don't know at this point. On, you know, it's I guess it's early Wednesday at this point. Um, there's all of those votes to be counted, and there's all of that stuff that's yet to happen. So, you know, I mean, it's not like it's impossible for Biden to win. I mean, that could happen. Uh, but I think that it's it's kind of beside the point on a couple of point a couple of levels. The fact of the matter is is that it, it real this thing is so far so close and has shown so much about the worst fears possible that we can have, you know, on our end of the thinking sphere, you know, on our on our side of the polarity, you know, we're Canadians. Oh, well, I'm a Canadian. I mean, there may be Americans listening to this, but, you know, generally speaking, I'm a pretty localized Vancouver, 
guy who most of the people I'm sure are listing are at least Canadian. So our end of it is like we're we're not in the middle of it. You know, we're we're observing this whole thing. It's like how could you not? There are people that choose say, oh well, it's not our problem, etc. etc. Well, I'm afraid it is our problem. In fact, it's the world's problem. When you can get a, you know, guy like you know the emperor Trump there, who's El Duche, El Douche, um, actually, you know, potentially becoming the president the second time around, that says a hell of a lot about the character of the of the American voting public of a, a great portion of them anyway there are a lot of people down there that <laughs> they don't want them uh, and hopefully enough of them actually have voted and their votes will be counted and he'll you know he won't get the numbers now as we well know that's not the end of the story it's very complicated actually but you know he can he can contest this whole thing he came out i didn't actually have the guts to listen to it i heard about it but he actually came out and spoke um, did a, a thing as as Biden did as well. Neither of which I really was ready to listen to the way things are. I'll listen later, but he came out apparently saying, basically saying, well, you know, basically I've won. You know, I'm just we're just waiting to find out the you know the final on this whole thing. But you know, he just blew his you know his usual spew of bullshit, which he always does. I'm sure all of his followers were like lapping it up it's just a disgusting situation and you know say you know like i say he doesn't get the vote say that does happen well it's the beginning of yet another level of shit show you know which is predictable you know people have been talking about it for quite some time there are ways that he can challenge this thing that are legal and he can continue to, you know, question the validity of all of these mail-in votes. And there's all sorts of crap that can go on. He can do an awful lot of damage between now and the January inauguration. You know, he it's you know who knows? It could be a week before they've actually counted all these things. I don't know. Who knows? But it's not the end of the story, folks. You know, um, you know, if he wins, you know. What's Biden going to do? Is he going to do the same thing? I don't think so. You know, who knows? It, it, it's not consistent with the kind of character that Biden projects anyway. And believe me, I'm not a huge fan of Biden either. I think Biden's got so many skeletons in his closet. But at least he's a rational human being. At least he's an actual politician with history. Um, you know, for good or for bad, he does have history. And... You know, so I don't see him pulling some sort of crazy shenanigans like Trump. Trump's pretty unique in that respect. I mean, if you look at American history, the last time anything like this even close happened was in the year 2000 with Al Gore. And, you know, that went the way that went, and that was, you know, was unusual. This is beyond unusual, folks. This is bizarre. And it's disgusting. You know, it's, I'm, I'm at a loss. I'm, I'm, I mean, I actually feel physically not good about this. I was feeling a little bit like sick to my stomach. 
as I was watching what was going on. I mean, I, I actually escaped and put on the headphones and did a little bit of home recording with my acoustic and um, tracking some stuff with my friend Dana. We're doing a, a summer song, the uh, um, Chad and Jeremy song. Anyway, you know, it gave me something to focus on, take my mind away from all that nonsense. Well, it's not even nonsense. It's If it was just nonsense, it would be whatever. It's more than that. It's damn serious. Serious. Serious is a heart attack. It's terrible. So anyway, I escaped for a while with the acoustic guitar, trying to nail my little licks, and yeah, I did pretty good, actually, you know, <laughs> given my primitive methods of recording. Believe me, it's not exactly uh, a high level, <laughs> but it's the thing to do. And I think this goes to, you know, how are we going to, those who are disgusted and disturbed by this whole thing, even as Canadians, how are we going to cope with this circus that we're going to be seeing in the next while? You know, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of elephant shit kicking around. You know, donkey shit too, probably. But anyway, we've got to somehow keep our heads on straight, and we've got so much pressure going on. I mean, I've talked a lot about this around the COVID-19 thing. And that hasn't gone away, and, you know, it does not look good. I mean, we're looking at a winter, and you're looking at the American politics that are going, It's there's going to be a lot of gatherings in the streets and a lot of crazy shit. I mean, there was a lot of crazy shit already with the Trump supporters coming out and, you know, trying to run that bus off the road and, you know, jamming up a bridge. And it's just It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. You know, the confrontational nature of this whole situation and, you know, all of the other things that are concurrently going on as well, that are they're tied to the election because they're the issues of America. You know, Black Lives Matter being one of them. You know, other things. You know, I mean, there's... there's And the fact is that there's some, some pretty heavy-duty people that are, you know, in Trump's camp, you know, stand by and stand back, right? Or whatever the hell he said. You know, talking to those, uh, you know, those proud boys. You know, what the fuck are they proud of? You know, you know, make America great again. These are Nazis. These are fascists. I'll tell you a little story. Earlier in the evening, as this was unfolding, I decided to go on YouTube and find some, you know, relevant, interesting things about the rise of fascism in America. Guess what? They wouldn't go to my Facebook. Some little thing, little disclaimer. I couldn't get anything to go to my Facebook. Okay, get music things, but for some reason or another, that didn't work. Now, what the hell is that? You know, I thought, well, it's a glitch, whatever. It's kind of hard to know what that is, but there is definitely shit happening, folks. And I'm not a, I'm not one of these crazy. You know, conspiracy theorists at all. I'm the last thing compared to that. I'm, I'm just not that kind of person. Um, but there is such a thing as repression. And I do believe that there is a rise of the right. I mean, it's pretty obvious. And fascism, you know, is definitely a thing. If you look around the world, there is a rise in it. And you look at Donald Trump, he's a classic. You know, I mean, he really is a classic. 
the methodology, the way that he has worked to hypnotize these people down there, you know, who were just sitting ducks. You know, they were just, you know, they just needed somebody. You could sort of write it off the first time. People were disaffected. It was a vote against, you know, the, the status quo, let's drain the swamp, all that bull. Well, you can sort of understand that the first time around, as disgusting and as mind-blowing as it was. But four years later, what has changed? It's gotten a lot worse. I mean, the economy is trashed. Um, you know, healthcare is trashed. The environmental stuff is trashed. COVID-19 is running wild. You know, and, you know, and these people vote for this jerk-off. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, um, it just boggles the mind. So, you know, what do you say? You know, I mean, I, I personally am, I'm just sort of dumbfounded by the whole thing. It's not like I had really a lot of positive expectations, okay? Like, I think that really there's not a whole lot of hope for the USA anyway. I hate to say it. That's my opinion. I think that, you know, it's an oligarchy. It's not a democracy. It's run by a very small of rich people. That ain't a conspiracy theory, folks. That's reality. You know, this isn't David Icke talking to you here. You know, they like that guy. They actually, the Q people, the Proud Boys. What kind of a country is that? You know, these insane rallies. You know, it's, you want to talk about fascism. It's just unbelievable. So here I am sitting in my apartment, spewing into my, <laughs> spewing into my cell phone. I have the most primitive of methods of recording, folks. And uh, I just don't know if there's any real point in me spewing off like this, but it gives me some sort of an outlet. And I don't know if you're interested or you're not interested, but I would hope that you'd be interested. I would imagine that anybody who's of similar mind to myself is feeling pretty frustrated and pretty shocked and pretty dismayed. I feel so sad for my American friends. I have so many good American friends that are intelligent, you know, aware, you know, compassionate people, creative people, you know, and they don't know what to do. They're, you know, I mean, it could happen, as I said earlier, Biden might get in, you know, and they're hoping against hope that that'll happen. Yeah, if he does get in, and I don't know how you're going to get rid of Trump. I mean, hard to know. But one thing you can count on is those people aren't going away. <laughs> All those people that voted for Trump are not going away. This is the way it is. So Biden gets in. You know, will he have his hands tied because of the, you know, I think it's the Senate. I always get confused down there. If it's controlled by the Republicans, then nothing can be accomplished. It's history, folks. We've seen this happen before. And what can I say? You know, I mean, uh, Obama was up against a lot, and he accomplished a lot. Of course, it all got trashed when Trump got in. If Biden gets in, say he does, um, the best you can really hope out of Biden, because he's going to want to stay in power, you know, I mean, obviously he's a politician. You want to get elected the next time around. But the best you can hope from that being an outcome, I think, is some degree of damage control. 
And definitely, you know, some positive stuff will come out of it. At least it's hopeful. Um, I don't see him being a great leader, a great president. But I think that if he's, if it is, if he's able to, and if the Democrats are able to, you know, enact some more humane, humane uh, legislation, laws, make some changes around the environment, and, you know, so many things, then great. But doesn't solve the problem, folks, or problems. There are many problems that aren't going to get turned around, in, say, in the next four years. If Trump is the man, hold on to your ass. It's going right down the chute. It's a fucking horror show. So until the next time, Danny signing off.